You're listening to the Toy Photographers Podcast, the official podcast of toyphotographers.com. My name is James Garcia, and each week I talk to photographers from around the world who are turning Lego, action figures, miniatures, custom creations, and more into amazing works of art. This week I spoke with Hugh Hughes from South Carolina, who's known for his wide angles, big homemade landscapes, and practical effects. We talked about all kinds of things, including creating different Star Wars landscapes, shooting indoors, and sharing some photography tips. So without any further ado, here's my chat with Hugh Hughes. All right, Hugh, welcome to the show. I'm really excited to talk to you. I've been a big fan of your work for a long time, and I'm really excited to talk about all that stuff. But yeah, welcome to the show. I'm excited you're here. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for inviting me. It's a great opportunity. I'm excited. It's awesome. Yeah, we're going to have a lot of stuff to talk to you. Uh, Like I said, I'm a big fan of your work. Every time I see some of your photos, I just think, oh, I wonder how he did that, or I want to talk to him about that kind of stuff. As as an indoor photographer myself and somebody who loves the the kind of cinematic work you do, I'm just really excited to dive into your process and all of that stuff. But before we do that, I, I saw that you are a visual effects artist and a creative director at Tin Giant Productions, and that sounded really interesting and maybe something that kind of f- at least tangentially ties into maybe some of the toy work you do or, or some of the art, art you do. So I was just curious you know, if you could talk a bit about your work history and what it exactly it is that you do. Yeah, so um, I graduated from um, a pretty big art school, and they um, one of the campuses is in Savannah, Georgia, where... Um, I was working on my master's and then I had the opportunity to move to LA because one of my friends was working at a uh, production, post-production house and they focused on DVDs and Blu-rays and um, special features for um, DreamWorks films. And so exclusively mm-hmm. that, was, that was their client and our boss was actually an executive producer at DreamWorks and so he would just bring in all the work and it was only myself, my friend who was my boss, and another person that we all went to school with, and it was just us working on these. And so oh, wow. So we would do a lot of like the editing for the DVDs or the, um, I would do a lot of the motion graphics for the DVDs, the Blu-rays. Um, I don't know if you remember like UMD, like the, the, the Sony handheld, whatever it was called, I can't remember. Mm-hmm. Um, and the graphics for the special features and all the all the content that would come on the disc when you went to the store to buy it. So oh, I would wow. work on a lot of that for about, I guess it's like a six, well, maybe like an eight-year period. There's a two-year period where I freelanced from here and did some work for like, but exclusively for like six years. Like anything that came out of the Dreamer Studio would work on the DVDs and the Blu-rays for them. Huh. Well, that's that's super interesting. That's a job that I would have never thought of but it's like yeah somebody has to do that kind of work yeah um, it's one of those jobs it's like it's <laughs> i i don't know if you could find a job posting for something like that but right. it was like like there was a few people who did it you know like there was there wasn't that many i, I can't imagine at the time yeah i could see like uh every studio having like a couple people like like your team there you know just having people to to kind of farm that work out to you know um yeah that's interesting i am somebody who loves movies and loves film and and is somebody who dives into all of those like special features and stuff on dvds so i'm sure I, i've seen a lot of your work and didn't even know it because I, I spent a lot of time going through that kind of stuff over the years yeah it was kind of funny i kind of look back at some of that stuff you know and it's like at the time you know you're 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 doing you're in after effects and you're cutting all this stuff and it's 960 by 540 which is standard up but it's like it's 60 by 9 so it looks it looks um almost like 1080p but it's not but at the time the machines are are just chugging to get it done you know and there's you have to you have to like plan ahead like as far as like what you can design and actually build and mm. animate in the time frame and you know i remember there's one time i was working on something for it was steven spielberg's taken he had a miniseries about ufo abductions and ufos and i was like that's totally like my thing you know <laughs> i want to do this and so I started doing it and I was doing all these like crazy, you know, perspective renderings of like the scene grabs and some of the, the different menus that you go through. So we call it the menus, the screens that you go through on the DVDs. And it was just like taking forever, you know? And it's like, you know, our boss was like, well, why are you doing it if it's taking forever? It's like, cause I really like it, you know? <laughs> cause it's going to be so cool. It's going to be worth it. Yeah. I don't, I, yeah. I wasn't like the greatest fan of like, I mean, the show was cool. It wasn't true to, 
most of the most of the, the the lore that comes out of it it was it was you know it was embellishing some things and i was like but you know just to work on the alien part of it it's like that's cool i want to do this but yeah yeah and just to have a hand somehow in something that spielberg is involved with just 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 the coolness of that alone to just know that like we both touched the same same piece of art somehow you know i, th- I think that's that's cool in and of itself too yeah, I want to say he watched it, but I don't even know if he looked their stuff. <laughs> yeah, for all you know, he loaded that DVD in at home and saw all of your menus and was like, ooh, this looks really good. <laughs> yeah, maybe he's watching it right now and he's thinking, yeah, I'm going to just go back to that. I want to watch this again. It's so great. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, that was fun. You know, and we did, I did a lot of the TV spots, like the, the graphics where we'd have an editor who would do the, the video cut and then he would... Um, come to me usually because i like to do that stuff so i do the broad the graphics for the spots and then you know it wasn't it wasn't the best stuff it wasn't like the hardest thing to actually animate it was a lot of text on screen that was moving it might be 3d it might not but you know it's just kind of part of the package you know you do everything from like the 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 disc art i mean we didn't do the disc art, but we did everything on the disc which and also included like you know the promotional stuff for like epks or you know the, the tv spots and stuff like that hmm. it is fun yeah yeah that sounds really fun uh, are you doing similar kind of stuff like that now or what, what's your work like now um now i work for a um a major art university and so um i'm one of their staff editors so the stuff we do is it's it's advertising for the university but it's cool like they they have film festivals every year and they actually have a film festival and a TV festival. And so I get to create the videos with the introduction videos for the celebrities that win awards for the, you know, they might have a film that's that they bring to the festival or they might be honored with like an, a lifetime achievement award because they've been in cinema for, you know, 20 something years. And so every year, I guess on average, I probably cut maybe three or well, I don't know, maybe three to six of those each year. And so like there's, um, I did one for, Maggie Gyllenhaal and she liked it so much that she wanted to keep it for her to, to show at other festivals. It oh, wasn't nice. Festival I worked on. I've done some for Olivia Wilde. Um, who has Richard Gere? There's some, there's so many, but you know, those are really fun. You get to kind of binge watch their stuff and cut, you know, something together that's about like a minute, a minute and a half and show the best scenes and kind of tell, uh, show the range of the, the, um, the actor or the actress, you know, if they do comedy, like show their funniest things If they do hmm. action, kind of show them the best stuff that you can kind of find. But that's kind of what I do now for, for some of the time. Wow. Nice. That, that sounds like it's uh, you know, I'm sure it's a lot of work, but it also sounds like it could be really fun just going through all of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I'm kind of like labeled the comedy editor now. <laughs> <laughs> I edit most of the, the, you know, the people that come that are in comedies, which is kind of funny. It's funny. Um, you're talking about doing so many things, uh, on computers and on graphics and after effects and all that stuff, but it seems to be totally different than the toy photography you do because that is all practical effects and, and you really try to use, yeah, do everything in camera. So I'm really curious to hear about how you got into photography and, and why that was such a, a conscious choice to move away from, from some of that stuff and, and do it all by hand. Um, yeah. So the, one of the reasons I got into it cause I needed more of a creative outlet because at some of the last places I've worked, I've done a lot of design work. I've done a lot of animation, but lately I've kind of moved into just editing. So you don't, I mean, you can be creative with it to some extent, but I kind of miss like designing things and using after effects to create, you know, particles or create like, you know, um, JD Abram effects on like trailers and stuff. So I don't really get to do that anymore. And so I think photography was just one of those things I'd never really done. I mean, I've taken classes in college, but I never did anything with it. And I was, I don't know what it was that kind of sparked it. I was just like, I got a camera and I was like, you know, I was going to shoot some of my son's toys and I got a toy collection that goes back 20 years. And a lot of the stuff I have, he's, my son has. And so when he gets something, I usually have some say in what he gets, like, don't get this. No, you want to get this. This is cool. You know? So like he started getting into, um, some Lego stuff and, you know, a lot of it was too, was like, you know, he kind of wanted it and I was like, I wanted it too. So we'd get it. And then he had that and he had some 
Transformers because that's I'm a big Transformers fan. I've been I've had I've collected those for since G1, and I've got a collection in my garage that's really shameful, and I think I should <laughs> <laughs> try to get rid of it. But at this point, I'm kind of overwhelmed. I don't know. I'm, it's like a hoarder. It's like I don't know what to do with it. <laughs> I'm embarrassed to show people. So so it kind of started with that, and um, I I think the first lens I got was. 100 millimeter macro and so i decided before i got the camera to get you know that you the, the whole choice is like oh, should i get a crop should i get a full frame and you know what are you going to be doing with it so i watched all these videos and you know reviews of different lenses different cameras and bodies and stuff and i'm like you know what i think for what i want to do with it i'm going to get a crop because you get kind of closer to the subject and you're able to get more bang for the buck because if you're shooting with a full frame, you're going to need um, a much wider lens to get closer. And at least with a crop, you can get closer with it without having to get the, the really wide lens. And so I started with the macro lens with the 100 millimeter. And I started like taking pictures of some of the toys. And then I would take pictures of like bugs and go outside and anything, you know, that, that, that I could get with it. And I was like, this is cool. And so... I did that for a little bit, and then I got, I think the next lens I got was a 28 millimeter, or maybe, yeah, I think it was a 28 millimeter, hmm. and then that one was great, because I didn't see a lot of photographers shooting with the 28, and I liked that you can actually get really close to the Lego minifig, for example, if that's what I was shooting, and it, it wasn't like the macro, like if I was going to shoot a macro, use a macro lens to shoot a minifig on a table i would have to put the camera probably at least three feet back maybe longer further to 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 get the same look as if i put a 28 millimeter on i know i'm kind of geeking out on it but it was oh, no no like, no yeah I, I i think this is the kind of thing our listeners appreciate and i'm i'm totally with you here <laughs> so i yeah, know what you're saying one of those, mm -hmm. yeah it's one of those things like if you get this lens a 28 then you can get closer but you just don't have to put the camera so far back and you kind of I kind of liked how it looked and then I was kind of, you know, I watch a lot of, I don't watch a whole lot of films, but I do watch enough films to know that like this film might be shot on this lens or this film is shot this way or that way. And so I remember watching, I think it was a Revenant with Leonardo DiCaprio and the way that that film was shot, it was like shot. I'm not sure what lens, but it looked like a wide angle because everything on the side of the screen was kind of distorted and I kind of liked that look because it made everything look bigger than it really was, made everything look wider. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, well, so I'm going to stick with the 28 for a while. And that's what I shot, I guess, for about two years, everything that I've on my Instagram account on. And then I've moved on to another lens from that. But that was kind of like my favorite lens. And I like shooting anything with it, especially it was like really small. And it's a great it's a great lens for like street photography also. So it's you never really have to take it off your camera. And use it for for anything as long as you get close enough to it that yeah. was a great about that yeah i have a, a 24 uh, myself it's like the 24 millimeter pancake lens and and same kind of oh, thing okay. it's super great thin too. and and you can get really really close to the subject but yeah you get that nice wide angle i i loved i i still have it and i love it and i shoot with it a lot um so i know exactly what you're saying with that lens um, and, and that kind of look that you're going for, that cinematic look, I I've kind of was going for the same thing with, with that similar lens. Yeah, I would have gotten that lens if I didn't get the 28. It was, I mean, I didn't find out about that lens until later. And there's another pancake lens too. I can't remember what number, what size it is. Yeah, I feel like it's, uh, I, I forget what it is. Uh, I'm sure a listener is like, no, it's this. But, um, <laughs> but, but yeah, it, it, it's funny going through, I know exactly what you're saying about like watching all those YouTube videos. It, it it can be so overwhelming trying to get trying to get new equipment and you, there's all these different types of cameras and like you said full frame or do you get a crop camera and then what is that going to mean for your lenses and just it it can be really really tough to to sift through all of those things and so it helps to kind of have a a vision of what you want to achieve that way you kind of know what you're looking for for you know the the kinds of depth of field that lens might have or the wide angle or whatever the case might be yeah that's true. Were you always a, a fan of Lego growing up, or, or was it all Transformers for you? Mostly it was Transformers. Um, I remember getting those as like a kid for Christmas, and then occasionally, I remember 
going to, I don't know if you remember the name of the store, but there was a store called Fred's that was in the United States and it was kind of like a really small Walmart, but it was, it was, um, they had a pharmacy and, you know, it's almost like a Walgreens at this point, but hmm. they sold toys and there was one by my house. And cause I don't believe we had a Walmart where I grew up and we had the Fred's and there's like a wall next to the pharmacy. And I, I can still remember seeing like a G1 Galvatron, a G1 Cyclonus on in boxes, like on the shelf, you know, like the shelves full with them. I remember going to get Constructicons and remember getting them off the pegs, you know, the, the ones on the card and, you know, remember like little things like that. And so like I started collecting, um, when, once I got to college, I would go back and like collect some of the G1s. I would go back and collect any of the reissues that, Hasbro Takara did. I would go on eBay and buy a lot of the Takara um, ones just from Japan. Um, some of the other ones that have a lot of them that that I never opened that are still in boxes, um, especially the G1, G2 stuff. A lot of the ones are carded that I haven't opened. Um, so I've been into that, I guess, the longest. But um, I've had Lego when I grew up. I remember like my dad would bring me like a little Lego set, you know, here and there. Um, I didn't have obviously as much as I probably do now, but <laughs> yeah. do have quite a bit. But yeah, it was it was mostly those. You know, I liked robots growing up, sci-fi like most kids. Star Wars mm -hmm. um, had a lot of Star Wars toys, and unfortunately, I don't believe any of those have ever made it past you know you know being a teenager. I don't know where they went. Hmm. I even my Transformers, some of them from like growing up. Remember, I had them in like an old. Nintendo NES box for like the first <laughs> NES. I took the, I kept the card, the the styrofoam in the box, and it would just stick, you know, like Megatron and Optimus Prime and all the ones that were really good in that box. And you know, as a kid, you move a lot. I'm like, I don't know where it went. My right. mom doesn't know where it went. I think somebody knows where it went. But <laughs> yeah, somebody has that box. <laughs> full of, does have that full box. of those great toys. Yeah. Yeah, I find it interesting then that because you're such a huge Transformers fan, when you started doing toy photography, you didn't start there. You you went smaller scale and went with the Lego. So so was there a reason for that in particular, just because you wanted that macro scale? Was that it? It was probably that. I mean, I don't really have a great answer. I mean, I know that like when I wanted to start doing it, um, the stuff, I, I shot a few, just a handful of shots inside of the Lego. I mean, I did shoot some Transformers like... Um, macro shots of their heads and stuff like that but i really like the lego because you could you could do anything with it you could create like an environment it's super easy mm -hmm. you just take it um outside in the yard you know um on a pile of dirt it was like it's it's you know it's on tatooine now it's like it's not a pile of dirt anymore but transformers a little bit different because i feel like they're there's so much they're they're so they're they're more detailed they're more articulated like i feel like i need to do more with the background but like the lego is just, you know, a lot. Some of my first shots I would take after the indoor stuff. I would take um, outside, and I, there was doing construction by my house, and I would drive around and like put some Legos here, or I'd drive to another like area in town and like put some Legos here. And so I was doing this whole thing where it's like I would have these minifigs that you know there might be a werewolf minifig when they would do like the um, the different series of the minifigs. Mm -hmm. You know every. I don't know how many how many years that when they started it, but I had some from like the monster series. I had like a werewolf. I'd take it to the to the woods and stick it in like a little like area where it looks like it's running through the woods. And I would take um, some of the astronauts and stick them on some like gray dirt area that they were doing construction and like they're walking on the moon or something. So like those were like you just take them anywhere and you could do something really quick. And so I kind of gravitated toward that. I was like, oh, I'm going to get more of these little minifigs. So I like the fact that they were so different. You know, you they'd have all these different series, and the series were different. So I like, try to get as many as I could from each series and then figure out a way to, like, I want to take, like, five or six shots of this one minifig, whatever it is, in an environment that it looks like it belongs, and then move on to somebody else. So it's kind of like I wouldn't get bored with it, and I was like, I keep changing things up. And so that's... That's kind of where that started. And then I eventually moved to, to the Star Wars, and then I started shooting that indoors because I could control the lighting a lot better than outdoors. And plus, you know, you can't shoot at all times of the day because the sun's too bright. So you have to, you have to really find an area where you're not going to get 
too much white coming into your shot, too much light, and mm-hmm. indoors it was great. I could just create whatever I wanted. See, it's like you, you're. It's like you're reading my mind, or, or you're looking back at my own toy photography history because I, I was the same exact way. Where right? I started out shooting Lego because of the collectible minifigures, and same kind of thing as you. I'd get. It's like, oh, the scarecrow minifigure. I, I better go find some like patch of dirt that looks like a a wheat field or something to put him in you know just shots like that until eventually i same as you started shooting more star wars stuff and worked my way indoors because i liked having control of everything so yeah yeah, i I know exactly what you're talking about yeah totally i feel like the star wars it has more of a story because you know like darth vader it doesn't really matter where you shoot him you know it's still gonna is you're shooting a vader and it's gonna be People are going to recognize that figure and they're going to know what that figure or that character is about. They're not really seeing a Lego. They're seeing like just Darth Vader. It doesn't matter if it's like a black series or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's, just, it's Vader. So you're immediately drawn to that if you like that. And same thing with like Han Solo or um, a Stormtrooper or whatever. It's just I know it's Star Wars, but you can put them anywhere. It's like you, it's like you're seeing a scene. Well, at least I try to, to frame it as like, you're creating you you could create or recreate a scene but if you're creating a scene is it could be something that's like oh it's another part of the 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 star wars canon it's like this is something else that's going on you know why is vader on hoth well or why is why is this han solo on this other planet that he wasn't in the original films well it's just like you're telling a story you're just like a little snapshot into like another another timeline or something yeah what i always think of it's like well this is just a weekend in his life that we didn't see that took place between movies or something you know it's like well he and chewie are on a mission here somewhere you know yeah exactly yeah you can you can be comedic with it or you know he could be doing something he would never do or you could just be serious with it i think you know it works either way yeah it's really fun And, and one of the things that i think made me gravitate towards shooting indoors too was just being able to create those different star wars environments whenever i wanted to so it's like if i wanted to do hoth shots or something i don't have to wait till for winter to come around you know i can sit in my my studio and and create a cool snow scape or something you know or if i want to make tatooine i can do that i don't have to go find the terrain somewhere so i think that's really what drove me to to really start doing indoor photography was having the control of the environments itself not just the lighting and that kind of stuff but just being able to build the worlds myself whenever i wanted to and and put these characters wherever i wanted them to go yeah exactly what kind of like characters and stories did you really gravitate towards when you when you first started and and really started getting into this after you were doing the collectible minifigs and started in star wars like what were some of the first things you were trying out well for the star wars like minifig stuff i was i was trying to shoot well at least for i think i shot them for maybe uh, um a year and a half i guess or a little over a year just exclusively star wars stuff i was trying to shoot them in like as many environments that they were in the um the the original trilogy and um the force awakens and i guess the last jedi and you know for the next film too the rise of skywalker so i was trying to shoot them in most of as many of those environments that were featured in the film as i could so you know i'd create um dago and i haven't done dagobah but i've done um tatooine savarine um hoth um scarif um vandor Mimbin, like a lot of those like scenes even though that some of them are extremely popular like common in the films and some are brand new like in the solo film like corellia like i've shot that I, I like to recreate as simple as i can using materials that are very inexpensive and very easy to come by to, to create those environments and then stick those characters that are from that scene into that environment and sometimes I'll I'll stick somebody else in there that wasn't you know in that original in in that original scene, but right. for the most part, I was just trying to create as many Star Wars environments as I could. Yeah, I know, I know that you use a lot of um, just like everyday materials for some of, for like your weather and terrain and stuff. What are kind of some of your staples for like snow or, or sand and, and things like that? Play sand is great, like or whatever it is that you get at the hardware store that'll come in a bag. Um, Usually have to when you get that, you usually have to let it dry for several days because it's really um, there's a lot of moisture in it. But that's great, and you can reuse it. Um, baking powder is great for snow because they used that in The Empire Strikes Back when they did the practical effects of the walkers. 
Oh, I didn't um, know that. Yeah, it's 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 pretty cool. It's because it it works great for the Lego because just the the size of the particles look mm-hmm. great for Lego. It's like perfect, and the sand too. As long as you don't get like really coarse sand, I think the finer stuff you get is pretty good. Um, but I like some of the sand to have like rocks in it or tiny pebbles or something where it's just not completely like a Sahara. It's a little bit, um, it's got some texture to it where it's almost like in Tatooine, you know, where any scene from star Wars or, you know, they're on Tatooine. It's there's, there's a lot of rocks and canyons and stuff. And so I like having some texture to that. Um, trying to, um, and I, I use a lot of that throughout everything really. Um, I've gotten, I think it's called play dirt or magic sand. Um, there's two different companies I think that make it, but it's basically magic sand. That's really dark. And so I use that for, um, Mimbin, like the mud scene from Mm -hmm. Solo. And it looks great. Like you don't have to really do a lot of color grading on it because it's already that color and it, it, it kind of clumps together and it looks kind of like mud without it being mud. Mm. I've shot like real mud and dirt in, real weeds and stuff that I brought into the garage and set it up and it, it looks great for a day. But after that, there's little bugs that come out of it and it's, it's really bad. <laughs> yeah. It's just kind of a pain. <laughs> yeah. Cause that's one of the benefits of having an indoor setup is that you can leave it for a few days if you need to. But yeah, if you have something like that, uh, not, not exactly practical. Yeah. Yeah. And I use a lot of construction paper to build stuff. So I use that to build, um, a rock face, a cliff, um, boulders whatever it is and i just get um a pack of different multicolored construction paper and you just kind of wad it up and make sure it's got a lot of like wrinkles and creases in it and then um i just glue it to a cardboard frame or shape that i've made and then it's just kind of wrap it around that and let it dry and then you know it looks it looks a lot like a boulder it looks a lot like um a canyon when you pull back from it with the camera yeah, I love what you did with, uh, I think it was Beggar's Canyon you did with, with where you made that really big, it looked like a huge rock wall, you know, for your, um, what was, what's the ship that, that Luke flies around the uh, what is T-16 or, or something like that? Yeah, I forget what yeah, it is. Yeah, um, but, but yeah, I love what you did making that big canyon like that. I was so envious when you did that. I was like, oh, that's such a good idea. <laughs> oh, it was a lot of paper. Oh, I bet. <laughs> <laughs> I made it a little too big, but yeah, it works. I mean, you kind of get the canyon. You, you know what it is when you see it. I mean, it could be done better. I mean, I didn't spend a lot of time on it. Um, but the, just the idea of, like, using things that, like, a little kid can can make, you know, kind of like that. And, like, I, I, I've never bought, like, a, um, I guess a diorama from anybody. I know there's a lot of companies that make some really great ones. I kind of want to get some, but I just haven't done it. I just, I don't know. I don't want to spend the money on it. Hmm. But... Again, then again, I kind of like making some of the stuff by hand because I do my day to day at work. It's like I, I'm so focused on the computer that that's the last thing I want to do is go back after I shoot something and put it on a computer and do all this and do all that. And so I just like kind of like the creation aspect of it. I think it's fun. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree. When you were discovering some of these things, was it all just like trial and error or, or were you? Did you have like crafting uh, skills from your past or how did you really like start practicing these, these skills and creating all these environments? Um, I just, just started playing around with it. Uh, it's, it's not hard. It's pretty, it's pretty easy. Um, I mean, once you build something, you kind of realize like, oh, you could build it better if you had more time, but I try not, I, I mean, I just don't have a lot of time to build a lot of stuff. And so what I do build, I kind of think about it ahead of time, like, oh, this is what I want it to look like. And then um, a few days before I shoot, I go ahead and get any materials that I need. And then, um, then whenever it is, I have time to build it usually a weekend. Um, I'll just bang it out real quick and let it dry. And then that's it. You know, there's, if you look at some of the stuff closely, you can see like the seams of like some of the paper where the edges, um, are overlaid on another edges with their glues. You might see like, you know, the right angles of the page corners Mm -hmm. and stuff, but you know, you can get some of that out. You can get it out in Photoshop if you, really want to do that yeah yeah that some i i usually try to photoshop those things because it always drives me nuts in my photo if i see like oh man you can see the papers like sticking up from the ground a little bit or just just those little imperfect you know inconsistencies but um 
but yeah, it, it it also adds a little bit of character and texture to the shot and shows the 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 homemadeness of it too, which which can be cool. Yeah, yeah, I definitely yeah, I agree. I try to get them out too, but sometimes I'll miss one. I think I think I posted a photo or two of like you still see like the wire holding up a spaceship or something like flying over the desert, you know, after I post it, I'm like, Oh man, I left the wire. In. <laughs> it's like, Oh, well too late now. <laughs> no, right. Just leave it. Yeah. Or the worst for me is like, I'll see like the shadow of a wire or something that I forgot to, to Photoshop out or the, or a reflection of something, you know, somewhere. Oh, it's yeah. like, Oh man. So it's like you, you get it, you know, you, you Photoshop it out in one area, but you forget a, a different spot. I, I hate when that happens. Yeah, the wire shadows, yeah, they're bad. Yeah. <laughs> they're bad guys. Yeah. And I want to ask, too, real quickly, you've been posting these amazing shots of a lunar surface, too, just with these spacemen on the moon and the Apollo landing on the moon. What do you do for the, the moon dust and the moon sand? I've never really been able to find something that I liked, so so I'd love your, your notes here. That is cement mix or oh, mortar okay. cement mix, yeah. I buy a lot of stuff at Home Depot and I remember going in there for it. I was like trying to, I was like, they're going to have something that, that works. I remember like one place I used to shoot outdoors in a construction site. And I remember shooting these little space minifigs and one of them looked kind of like Tom Cruise from Oblivion. Cause he had like the white suit on and the baseball hat. And I was <laughs> like, it's over here. And it was like this gray, kind of powdery like dirt I, I don't know what it is some type of dirt or clay or something and that was you know by the time I got over there this was probably months later they'd already built on it so it's all gone and I never seen that color around here and I was like well I'm gonna go to Home Depot and see because they're gonna have something because um when I built a crate set I used plaster Paris just because it's white and I could kind of shape it the way I wanted and I was like okay I'm gonna go look around and then I was like, the the cement mix looks great. And I was like, I'm gonna get a bag of this. But the thing weighs the smallest bag was like forty pounds. So they don't <laughs> have like a small bag for you to take home and like test. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Can I just get a sample of this cement? <laughs> no. So I got that, and um, I was like, well, this is gonna work. I think it's great. And then put it in a buggy or, or whatever the, the thing was I put it on because or a dolly I think because it wouldn't fit in the buggy and I was checking out and I ran into like somebody I knew from like years ago and he's like what are you doing what are you building what are you building and it's like well I'm actually making a moon landing set <laughs> toys. and he just kind of gave me a weird look he's like I hope it goes well and I was like yeah I think it will <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah I'm recreating the moon landing in my garage it's this whole thing <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah, it is always funny explaining toy photography to people who have no idea what it is or, or don't really understand, you know, all the, the, the hobbiness of it, you know, and it's, people just kind of think it's this quirky, weird thing that you do. But it's like, no, it's actually a pretty cool, big hobby. You just don't know about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they don't talk about it on TV that much. <laughs> right, yeah. But it's really big on Instagram. But yeah, that's that's all it was, was just um, um, cement mix and... That's it. I mean, I did I did the same thing maybe like two years ago, and I used the same material. But for the background, I would I took some balsa wood and um, put well put some type of adhesive on it and made like lunar hills, you know, just generic mm. like like shapes of hills, and then I coated it with the um, cement mix and stuck it in the background and and it worked but he didn't get the fall off from the light because the light would hit it and it was just so stark and so the last set that i just did i would just make the hills you know with the dust itself or the cement mix and that seemed to work a lot better it looked more it looked it looked more like it should i think i mean mm -hmm. i haven't been but from the stuff i've seen it looked better uh, yeah, I've run into the sim similar issues, um, especially if I'm ever trying to make like a Tatooine set. I don't just want it to be flat desert, so I try to do little hills in the background. And I've, I've tried using like construction paper and stuff like that, and it just never quite looks right. So I just always have to make these big piles of, of the sand in the background and just hope that it that it comes out okay, and that I oh, don't exactly like, what I do. topple yeah. one over because they're so fragile. They just you have to put a lot of sand in, in one pile, you know.
I know you said you don't have a, a ton of time to do these photos. So like, what is a typical setup and shoot for you? Like, um, so I know I usually shoot on a Saturday and a Sunday. It's, it just varies like what time it might be like, or maybe a Friday evening. Um, so if I have, if, if I'm starting from scratch, if, if, um, whatever I'm going to shoot, there's nothing on a table. Well, the table that I shoot on, um, if it's a Tatooine set or a hot set, those are pretty simple. So it'll probably take like 15 minutes to kind of 20 minutes to set it up. And then that's like spread everything out, um, make the hills or the dunes or whatever it is. And then, uh, adjust the light where I kind of need it. Um, and I just go in there knowing if, if that's what I want to shoot. So if I want to shoot Tatooine, which I shoot a lot of just because I like how the sand looks and the colors that for the skies and stuff that's more associated with a desert versus like um um an arctic environment i just like the colors better so it doesn't take that long you know maybe 15 20 minutes to set it up and then find a minifig or whatever it is an idea you know if it's tatooine it's like okay there's going to be sand troopers there's going to be um probably a tie fighter next wing or whatever it is an a-wing um just something kind of flying around it you know, I can probably set up and shoot within like half an hour, I guess. So not very long. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. And it helps, you know, to have those specific environments that, yeah, then make you think, okay, well, this makes sense here. This kind of character makes sense here. I bet that streamlines the process a bit. And um, you do a lot of like wire work and stuff too, because you, you're one of the few people I see that really shoots the actual Star Wars Lego vehicles. You know, you've got like a Kylo Ren shuttle flying around and, and just these really big sets you know, flying around and, and they're sets that I like and buy myself, but usually I just kind of display them or if I'm photographing them, they're parked somewhere, you know? So, yeah. so what is it like working with those big ships, especially Lego? It's so easy, like to fall apart. Um, I'm always terrified to put like the Falcon up on wires or something. So how do, how do you do that kind of stuff? Well, I was first pretty intimidated by it because not really the smaller ships, but the larger ones, like I've shot a lot of the smaller ships that that are around like the $20, $30 price point. Um, like Ray Speeder is like one of my most photographed ones just because the size is so easy to shoot because you can put it anywhere and it's not going to fall apart. You can, you can hold it up on one or two wires or I use like armature wire that you can get at um, an art store. And I just make these little, almost like I bend it so where they, they can support, you know, the ship. And so I can do that for race speeders super easy with only using like two wires. But if I do a TIE fighter, there's usually three um, still supporting from the ground up. And I figured the TIE fighter was was not well, – it was a lot bigger than race speeder. And it was a little bit more challenging just because like I have to frame the shot different. I have to pull the camera back to kind of get most of it in there. And then – but anything bigger than that, like Kylo shuttle or an Imperial shuttle or the Falcon – I usually suspend that from um, um, a C-stand and use the same wire that you use to like hang a picture on the wall, like the metal wire. Oh, and okay. I just wrap it into the ship or around the ship to the point where you can't really see it, but you have to, you know, it's you have to balance it. And I'll, most Lego sets don't balance fifty-fifty yeah. <laughs> from the middle, and so there's there's a lot of like figuring out where the center point of gravity for that, for that um, vehicle is, and then kind of hanging it from a wire. And then, um, then I'll pull the camera further back and then shoot it from there. And then just, you know, remove the wires with a, a clone brush. So you don't see them. Nice. And then, and then I love too, that you make it even harder on yourself by then blasting sand everywhere. And I'm sure, uh, sometimes precariously uh knocking down some of your ships or something like that just uh, i love that you add all of these extra layers to, to your setups as well yeah most of the my falcon i think i only have one falcon it's from the force awakens it's completely trashed no i have two i'm sorry that one's completely trashed i mean there's so much sand in it it's a lot of the pieces are broken like the hinges and stuff because sand has gotten in there when you try to open it up it'll break um there's sand in most of my sets and there's baking powder in most of the sets that you know I have to I usually rinse them off when I'm done um but it's it's always there and I think the ATM6 the walker from the last Jedi 
Mm -hmm. I was doing this thing where I was using red sand that I got um, online. It was a bag of red sand. It wasn't the biggest bag. It was pretty small. So I was trying to like use what I could without having to buy another bag. And I remember I've been like, there. <laughs> yeah, and it's like I threw it all over the the um the walker several times, and it got so dirty. And I was like, "This is a really nice set. I don't want to keep doing this." <laughs> and it just the sand's not coming out, and pieces are breaking. So I would from as you know, like when you buy a set, they always give you extra pieces, or like their sets. There's there's you usually collect a lot of Lego, so I was always going through a, a bin to kind of rubbish for parts to kind of replace parts that had broken but <laughs> yeah most everything i shoot is gets pretty pretty rushed up yeah yeah i could imagine and and just the space that you're into you said that you're you've t taken over the garage is that is that right or you've got your setup in the garage yeah so it's um the setups in there i use a a three foot by five foot table um and behind it, I use a giant piece of foam core. It's, yeah, I, have, I have several, I have white and black, and it depends on what I'm shooting, but I use that to kind of create um, just the backdrop. And I, I only use the two colors, and I, whenever I shoot it, um, I use a fog machine, too, to kind of create the clouds or um, the atmosphere. You know, like when you're, when you're driving down the road and you, um, you, you, you can't see perfectly clear you know all the way down mm -hmm. because the atmosphere so I, I, I use it to that advantage to kind of like blur out the very back and so you don't see the white wall you just see nothing really at that point yeah and I, and I know that you use light a lot too to to add really great um light effects or, or great pops of color in your shots and stuff like that um especially like I'm looking at some of your transformer stuff and stuff right now too where you had these really cool like pinks and blues and yellows I, I love how you add uh these colors to your to your setups as well just to enhance the scene and add so much more to the story yeah um I I I, mean, I like a lot I like inspired by sunsets inspired by nature I watch I watch a lot of nature shows um or anything that's got a lot um a lot of planet earth shows things that that show the the most beautiful parts of like nature or the environment i kind of get inspired by that i take a lot of if i see something on tv if i'm watching i'll just hold my phone up and snap a shot there's a shot of like um one of the transformer photos um it's a car driving down like a desert road there's a mountain in the background and there's the exact shot of that was on some nature show that i watched without the car but like when i saw that i was like that's cool and so i used just cut out a mountain shape out of um cardboard and i think the cardboard was i think it was white or black i can't remember what color it was and i just had a sand environment and then um i used a roofing tile that you used to roof your house because those make really great roads oh, and smart. especially at that scale and again you can't buy those like singles you have to buy the giant pack like, <laughs> like you're single in your house yeah right <laughs> But you have so many, and so like I stuck that on there, and then through the smoke machine and the light, and I was like, I mean, some of this is post, like the lights on the back of the car, and you know the sun and stuff like that. But like for the most part, it was there, and I was like, it's just you know that typical shot of a car driving down a lonely road at dusk, you know. Yeah, yeah. I just uh, I'm on your Instagram right now, and I found it, and it's an amazing shot. I'll make sure to include it on the blog post. And yeah, I can totally see as you're. Um, describing all the layers like the, the road and the mountains and yeah it's a beautiful shot and I love the colors you have in the sky how it, the like the gradient from like really dark purples to to the oranges and pinks in there it's just really really well done so I, I could totally picture what you were inspired by you know in the in the natural setting yeah I think a lot of that I try to do a lot of that I think it just kind of makes the photo more interesting but it from just a bold standpoint it's so simple you know you just have shapes you don't really have a lot of detail you just have silhouettes and i don't want to take away from the the subject i don't want to take away from like the toy i want to like make it feel like the toy belongs there but i don't want to like i don't want to distract a lot of it i mean i know like you you kind of look all over the place but i want you to look more like focus on the toy than like anything else but you know, I like shooting silhouettes. I've started doing that more lately, I guess, within the last couple months. Like, just kind of backlitting everything. And you just see the shape, especially on something that's kind of recognizable. You know, if it's a car, if it's, like, if it's um, 
barricade from Transformers, you kind of know that shape because it's you've seen it for a while. Or even like um, the like from the moon stuff, you know, a lot of it's very minimally lit because of the way I, mean, I did that just because that's how um, the photo references that I saw were 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 shot. You know, it's like there's it's you kind of know where you are when you see the lunar lander. You know what that is. It's because of the weird shape of it mm-hmm. where it is. You don't really, I don't think you really need to see it fully lit, even though if it was fully lit there, I'm sure that would look cool too. But you know, I just want to, I guess for the, for the more recent stuff, I'm trying to like go a little bit more minimal with it where it's not so bright and everything fully lit. It's just, you see the shape of something. Maybe I asked you this earlier when we started talking about this, but, but why do you prefer practical effects to post-production effects? Is it just separating your, your hobby from your work or, or what is it that, that makes you want to do as much practical stuff as possible? Yeah. I mean, that's it really. Um, just because I'm on a computer most of the day, every day. And so on the weekend or when I do shoot, I don't want to do that. I don't, I kind of cringe of, having to put a lightsaber on, you know, Vader or Kylo Ren's hand. I'm like, Oh God, I can't do this. <laughs> I can't do this. In, I can't do this on my phone or I can't do it in camera. And so that's one of the things like when I do shoot that, like I don't shoot any lightsabers on the, 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 um, the, I don't shoot any blades on the, the saber. So it's just, it's just a saber without a blade. So I add oh, it later. Interesting. So I used to do it before and it was just like, you had to like get rid of the blade first or when you overlay like the glow effect, it doesn't look right or it, you can still see the blade. So when I do that, I just shoot it without the blade and hmm. then I decide it later. But I, I, I like how they look with it, but I don't shoot a lot of that. I just don't really want to go to a computer to do anything on the photography really. Unless I have to. I mean, there are shots of like, oh, this is going to be great. It's going to be Vader and Bespin, you know, in the freezing chamber. Well, he's got to have his blade. I mean, what's he doing there? (laughs) 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 I mean, you know, he's going to meet his his son and he hasn't seen in a while. He's trying to get a convert over. But like, he's got to have his blade out. So (laughs) you got to do it. And then, you know, just a TIE fighter. I mean. I've shot so many TIE fighters without blasters. I'm like, okay, I've got to do a blaster now because they're going to feel like they don't have blasters. You know, you've got to do some of it. To wrap up, you know, um, do you have any advice for people who who want to try getting into indoor photography or practical effects? Yeah, um, it's, I know if you look at a lot of photographers' photos and they do it indoor or outdoor, I mean, it might be hard to discern what what is in camera and what's not. It's just I feel like, you know, do whatever you do that that's going to make you kind of happy or enjoy it. I mean, if you find yourself struggling with a certain style or a photographer that, like, you really like their work and you're trying to, like, recreate that style or... Because for the, for, the, for the longest time, like, I, I saw so many photographer stuff and I was like... And this stuff is great. And it's like you try to, like, see how they did it. You know, you, you look online or, like, you try to you try to tinker with everything that you're doing in your studio or outside to kind of get a similar look. And it's going to drive you crazy. At least for me it did. I was like, I'm just going to shoot the stuff that I want to shoot. And, you know, if, if I learn techniques online from other people, that's great. And I would advise people to talk to people because I've learned so many techniques from people on Instagram that I've spoken with or that asked me questions, you know, I've even from simple things like, what did you use to hold this little ship up in the scene? Even though you might think it's a stupid, it's, it's not a very good question, but it is because you're going to start a communication with people in a conversation. And then they're, you're going to be interacting more with other artists and then they're, they're going to give you techniques or share ideas with, with you and you're going to share ideas with them and then you're going to kind of find out like what your style is or what what you like to shoot like you might for example think that like i want to just shoot this because i like this but you you might and that's great but you might not you might want to then you might be more comfortable or find more joy in shooting something else but you know i would just i don't think you have to spend a lot of money to do this i don't think you have to to get the best camera out there because it's it's not really a lot of it focused on the gear it's like what you do with what the materials and 
the equipment that you have. Like I've seen some great photography just on a phone and it compared to like somebody who has, you know, a Canon 5D and you know, a red lens. It's, 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 it's you know, the, if, if somebody has a better execution and a better idea than somebody that has like really great gear, the, the person with the better idea is going to win. It's just, I think you just need to find something you, that you enjoy doing with it and then just see kind of where it's going to take you, where, what type of style that you're going to end up with. And I, and for me, like I've, after a while, I kind of found what I like shooting and the style that I like, but it, I, I like a lot of other people's work too. And I, at this point, I'm not going to try to mimic anybody's work. Um, but I do like to know like how they do stuff or how they got this or how they accomplish this, whether it's like in camera practical effects or if it's, Photoshop, there's some amazing ph photographers out there that do a lot of um, green screen and Photoshop on their work. And I see it, I'm like, I need to be doing that. But like, I just don't want to get on a computer. It just varies, you know, like it depends on, you know, what what you're going to find joy in. Yeah, I, I feel the exact same way. Again, you're, you're like, I couldn't have said it any better. It's like you're, you're inside my head <laughs> thinking the exact same stuff. Um, one thing I've loved about talking with you tonight is just how many things I'm like, yes, totally. You know, we're right on the same wavelength with a lot of this stuff. So um, thank you. This was a really fun conversation. Yeah, it really was. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And uh, if people want to find more of your work online, where can they find you? My website is just my name, hughes.com, H-U-G-H-E-S.com. But most of my current, all of my current stuff, honestly, is like on the Instagram. And then my website, I'll just kind of put, um, the, the, sh most of the shots that I like the best, but I don't put everything up there, but the Instagram would have everything that I post and I usually post at least once a day. Yeah. I have, every time I log on in the morning, I see one, another one of your shots. It's just like a, a really <laughs> cool start to my day actually. And, and it's so fun to see, okay, which planet is Hugh on today or which characters he's playing around with. So, so yeah, I love that you post so often. So I'm sure, I'm sure it's a lot of work on your end, but I appreciate all of the work that you do. So thank <laughs> keep it up. <laughs> Where is he today? What planet? That's funny. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for listening. You can find new episodes of this podcast and daily articles on creativity and toy photography on our website, toyphotographers.com. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. We also ask that you please leave us a five-star review. That'll help spread the word about the show and help us get noticed. You can find us on Facebook at Toy Photographers and on Instagram at underscore Toy Photographers underscore. Music for this week's episode is courtesy of freemusicarchive.org. And finally, you can reach out to us with comments, concerns, recommendations, etc. at toyphotographypod at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. I'll see you guys next week. <laughs>